Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How's it going, Eva? Uh, good. Um, good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you are, uh, listener. Um, things are great. It is really hot in Utah today, at least. It's about 100 here, I think. Yes. But yeah, how, how, how are you doing? Like, what, 15 minutes more north? Yes, it is so hot. Right? My lawn is suffering significantly. So that's been like deep concern to me. I was just outside like bemoaning the dry grass. So I need to get that figured out. <laughs> like it's, it, yeah, it's just not good. I, I, it's been stressing me out as you can tell, like I've, I've been trying to figure <laughs> out like what I can do to make that better. Cause I'm, I'm trying, I try hard to conserve water so not to like overwater or anything like that but also i need it to not be like a dry brown lawn so i need to like yeah i need to to figure that out and uh july is always really really difficult for that and everyone listening from california right now is like who's this guy (laughs) he's watering it yeah (laughs) um i don't know do we have anyone listening from california I think last time the closest we have is like what uh, Jordan, like the country. <laughs> yeah. So we have. It's interesting because we have we actually have irrigation water that we use. So I I think oh. that's probably different than a lot of places. So it's not like actual culinary water I that see. we use to water our lawns. So we have actual uh, irrigation water that is part of just different parts of different cities so it's not everywhere in utah that you get to use that but we do which is very very nice so it's a lot cheaper and it's just like part of the runoff that you get so they don't uh they don't use that as you know the actual culinary water but it's it's nice so use that irrigation water no where's that coming from where's that water coming from uh, I think it's just part of the runoff from some of the mountains. So it's part of Weber Basin, and uh, that's that's part of our water district, I guess. And yeah, they just capture it in in different areas. But yeah, I'll, I'd have to look into more to like the specifics of it. But yeah. Also, when you say uh, culinary water, it sounds like something you can buy from like Whole Foods, <laughs> <laughs> like the new new product from the same company that makes that asparagus water. Now we have <laughs> culinary water. <laughs> it just sounds fancy. But yeah. yeah, yeah. How much would you charge for that? For culinary would you pay water. For that? Yeah. <laughs> or asparagus water. Uh, uh, I don't, I, I know asparagus water was like, what, $6 or something for a bottle. <laughs> Culinary water doesn't come with anything in there, I'm guessing. I wouldn't pay $6 with or without asparagus. I will tell you that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I want asparagus water. I like asparagus and I like water. I do not want them together though. I don't but think. Culinary water. 
I I definitely like culinary water though, so I want all of my water to be culinary. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to bring up about water is: Do you know about diamond water? I I don't know if I know specifically about diamond water necessarily. You should know about diamond water because it is probably the most expensive water that you can. Well, okay, I cannot say that that's the most expensive you can buy because really, there are so many things on this world that I I, I just don't understand anymore. Um, <laughs> it's it's this Hollywood um, lifestyle guru, some sort of spiritual person that she blesses the water. I have seen a clip of her actually sitting on a little Moroccan rug in front of the water tower and just blessing the water, and every drop of the water is rinsed through like. A basket of diamond or something it's full of energy um $18 a bottle I don't know how her business is doing but it was sold out when she first launched it so yeah there's more water than I ever will need commercially available wow that's I guess that's good business if you can get it right like (laughs) do you need who's to say uh, yeah that's interesting I guess you'd need a lot of diamonds to be filtering the water through, which sounds awfully expensive. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's just one diamond or maybe two. Oh, that's a good point. Who knows? She said that every drop of water touches that diamond. And, but how do you, how do you make sure? Yeah. If it's just one diamond. Okay. So it's not like filtered through diamonds because that sounds like it could be a very expensive startup if you had to have enough yes. diamonds to like filter the water through I, I guess i can toss my <laughs> toss my wedding ring into my brita tonight and make diamond <laughs> water myself <laughs> yeah there you go that- that's one way to do it listeners this is <laughs> this is product by design this is an idea that we came up with so we're gonna patent this and <laughs> suck it diamond yeah water. <laughs> yeah we're gonna have our own product by design filtered diamond water We'll start at yeah, $16 a <laughs> bottle. So it's even more affordable than other diamond water. Yes. But better. Thank you for being on this diamond water journey with me, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> what what an idea that we, we come up with. Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Well, speaking of yeah, speaking yeah. of diamond water, we're gonna be talking about <laughs> What is what is this segue? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't even know how to segue that. Speaking <laughs> of diamonds or water, <laughs> we're going to be talking about designers and yes. product teams. And we're like diamond. Yeah, we're and like wh- water. <laughs> yeah, and what to do if you don't actually have a designer on your product team. I am suspecting I might be having a heat stroke in this closet. Maybe that's why. <laughs> The diamond water thing is hitting me hard. But yeah, we are going to talk about that today. Um, it was really hot in this closet, so forgive me if I have to open a door and then five cats just come in. But yeah, we're going to talk about what to do if you don't have a designer on your team. And I, before this episode, I was thinking like, do we want to talk about like UX researcher and, and all that stuff too? And I really do feel like that is probably a new, a whole new, you know, uh, umbrella of issues and you know solutions that we can go through in, in another episode so um i'm thinking we can talk strictly about kind of like designing you know that that part of the process what do you think yeah let's do it sweet and this is 
I think it's a really interesting one and a difficult one because what what do you do if you don't have a designer on your team? And hopefully it's becoming a less common problem, but I don't think it's a problem that really has gone away at all. I think it's still a fairly too common problem to some degree. Like there's probably varying degrees of this problem, but how do you handle this issue of not having a, you know, some sort of UX or product design on your product team? I know it's something that we, we currently grapple with on Mm -hmm. some of our product teams. And I've throughout my product career, I know we've had varying degrees of this issue. I guess kick us off with some of your thoughts, Eva, like, yeah how how do you handle it let's talk about like why this problem exists and i I do think that we are um living in a day and age that people are more familiar with the idea of design and it's people still have that you know misconception that design is literally just what is on paper what is uh, produced in that you know artboard as pixel you know um but as we have talked about a lot on this podcast is that designing is not just what is on screen sometimes we make decisions that also go beyond that and um like for example like how many seconds do we want to delay certain things from you know happening so that we avoid the user from getting confused if it instantly loads everything anyways so so when we talk about design i want to make it very clear again it's not just what comes out in that jpeg of you know the deliverable to the engineer to code on the front end, not just that. And the the, the problem uh, of why most people don't have a designer, I can <laughs> say probably safely assume it's budget issue. Because nowadays, I think people are familiar, like I said, familiar with why we need a designer. And most people probably try to des- have tried to design, let it be a you know, a slide deck or whatever in their own lifetime. And, 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 and then, uh, but in a work setting, do you really if you have a product that you want to launch or already launch, you definitely need someone or multiple someones to handle that side for you. And we understand that <laughs> if it's a budget issue, it's not that you don't want one. And I think that's probably the common story um, in the industry. I, I, I don't know. Do you think there are other factors that people don't get a designer, like product managers that want one, but don't get one? I think that's definitely the most prominent one is that, it's not so much that you wouldn't recognize the need right. for one. Um, it's that you would recognize it, but just not have the, the ability to yeah. hire as many as you want or need to kind of span the right. the full extent of teams. Like that's as far as all of the, the teams and places that I've ever worked uh, that's been far and away the most common reason why we right. haven't had designers on product teams is because we just haven't been able to hire them. Um, and I think that it probably goes to some underlying reasons. One, it's still relatively, you know, maybe a newer discipline and and just not recognized for its contribution as much mm-hmm. as it ought to be. And it's, it's definitely one that's a little bit harder to quantify too. You know, how much yes. is it contributing to the overall product that we're building? And it's, I think it's easier to see some of the, the things that, you know, other members of the team are contributing. So obviously, you know, the, the team members who are 
building and and writing the code like that's that's a much easier thing to see product is i think getting a little bit more difficult but that's still easy to see when you start talking about like the user stories and you know some of the discovery and and there's you know very very tangible things that you're doing and then you start to get a little bit more abstracted from some of those things when it when you get into the design and more into some of the the discovery and the understanding of users and and user mm-hmm. flows and the experience and so as you get just further away from some of the output and more yeah. into the input uh, it just gets more difficult and so i think those are some of the underlying reasons and they kind of flow through into why you just don't have mm-hmm. quite the representation but ultimately it comes down to maybe not necessarily the recognition and having right. the the budget for hiring those people and and it just gets put into some other places so having kind of the mindset of if i'm picking between you know multiple positions what am i going to pick am i going to pick you know a, a designer or am i going to pick you know somebody who's doing something else writing code or, or doing other things and and making those kind of trade-offs and ultimately the decision kind of comes down to some of those things that we just talked about like do i want yeah. some of the output or do i want some of the input and it's a hard trade-off when you don't really fully understand all of the things that kind of go into building good products yes. hopefully that mindset is shifting but i don't think it fully has just yet yeah, in a second, I'm going to kind of go into like why it's a good idea to hire a designer and what the <laughs> difference really is. But um, I have a interesting question that popped into my head is that have you ever run into any teams or any product managers or anybody uh, on the product side that is like, you know what, we don't need a designer. We, we got this. We're good. Let, let me let me DIY this. Have you ever ran into anyone that has that? Not in... A long while, no. Good. <laughs> no, not. In, I have. I haven't run into that kind of attitude from anybody who I think is experienced in mm. actually building products or <laughs> <laughs> experienced in like actual design yeah. or anything like that. So, um, I. Good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I have run into that kind of attitude from. I think very older school output oriented folks. So this is, this is going back a little ways, but kind of the attitude of like, we just need to build things and we need output people and we just (laughs) need, we need engineers. And if we have engineers, we can build it. And why are we hiring other people to do things when we, if we just have engineers, we can get stuff built. And this was more on kind of like the project management side back then. And so that's, that's kind of where I have seen that, but again, not in a long time, thankfully, and not from people who are, who have had, I think the right experience, like actually building products and and that sort of thing. That's actually very comforting to hear. <laughs> I think nowadays people are, uh, it's a lot easier to hire or, or find product managers that are more design minded since design has become a very accessible discipline. I think, like I said, like you have designed a slide deck before, like everybody has designed something in your lifetime, in your working life already. And I do see that like 
let's say engineering, it's like, that's not a very accessible thing. Like if you have never done it, you're not going to be like, oh, you know, I can DIY that. <laughs> like that <laughs> probably doesn't happen as often. Right. And um, so let's, let's dive into it. And to dive into an idea that I learned uh, from the almighty God uh, Jarrett school um, that we, we love. And so I went to convey UX and I know <laughs> this presentation probably was given in different time and occasion few other times too. So, so he gave a presentation on uh, UX as a tipping point um, in the product development process and what kind of difference does it make? And he brought up the idea is that there is a craft proficiency. Um, can I call it a matrix? I'm going to call it the craft proficiency matrix. And sorry, Jared, if you have another name for this, but uh, <laughs> the idea is that when you are practicing in a craft, what, whatever it is, there are four, four tiers of your progression. First is, let's say someone brand new to the craft, you are unconsciously not good at it. Like, you, and, and you don't know that you're not good at it. Right. And then the, as you see more and learn more how other people execute, you kind of understand why you're not good at it. So the second stage, you enter into the conscious, you know, uh, you, you're consciously not good at it. I can't remember the official name of that. But, but you know why this, you know that this doesn't look good. You know this doesn't work. Okay. And then this is where the big uh, line in the sand happens is that as you practice more and then you see, you know, learn more principles, learn more uh, techniques, and you enter into the, you're consciously, you know, getting good at it, but, and you know that you're good at it now at this point. And then uh, fast forward to the last stage is that you become a master in that craft and you're unconsciously good at it. You're just doing things that people are like, oh my goodness, how are you doing this? You're so good at this. And you're like, I don't know. I just do it. It kind of becomes your, uh, what is that called? The muscle memory to just execute uh, very, very efficiently. And also, you know, uh, with a set of standards that, that, that is seen as like, oh yeah, you, you are, you're it. Right. So those are the four different stages. And so why this is important is that I want to say, I would <laughs> hope that when you hire a designer, right, someone that has experience, someone that has the resume and, and, and knows the techniques and principles, how to execute, what they can give you is the third and fourth stage, right? They know why, you know, why certain things are, are not good and they know how they can make it better for you. And they know how to execute in a way that uh, works for the team. They know how to make it work for the user. And it also, uh, not only is it usable, but also delightful for the, for the, you know, user uh, to use. And when it comes to teams that don't have a designer, what happens is that, okay, let's say if someone wants to just, oh, you know, we'll be fine. We'll DIY this. And um, again, we know that sometimes it's not by choice, but we're going to talk about how to get you to a point, at least you, you have a idea of like, how to be consciously good at it uh, and maybe probably more in the second stage of like knowing certain things not good and then how to again just move into a little bit into the third stage does that make sense yeah there's a lot yep. of words I just threw out but yeah so I, I, I want to give you guys uh, resources and just some ways to to at least execute with confidence if you don't have the resource to hire a designer because again 
budget and not all of us have the control over that and <laughs> hopefully you get there but so yeah there are two scenarios that i want to talk about first one what we just went through is what if you just don't have the budget the second scenario is that you don't have time to diy but you have a little bit of budget not enough to hire a full-time person you you can you know outsource this what happens there so you ready for this for this journey let's do it Okay, let's talk about the first scenario, that the one that we have been talking about of just got no budget and you just have to kind of stay afloat <laughs> uh, without any any designers. And just first of all, I want to say, don't worry, design has become very accessible that it has become, if you have been on the internet, you know that there are so many sites that you can find inspiration. And that's the first thing that I want to bring up is there's so many, so many sites that you can see what other people have done. And then that will teach you to um, get a sense of what is a good example versus, you know, something bad that you shouldn't do. And, and, and um, for example, like uh, this one's so popular that maybe everyone already know about this uh, is dribble.com with triple B, right? Dr- dribble.com. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if you type in like UI design, or just UI, you will get a lot of what's uh, uh, what not only trendy, but but most of them, I would say there's like uh, the bar is set pretty high on Dribble. <laughs> a lot of them are very very pretty. Um, you don't have to make your presentation pretty, but I would say when you're looking at these examples or references, make sure you kind of pick out some of the common threads, what makes them good, um, and and I can pull uh, pull out of my brain right now is like first they're usually really clean that's something i think is very easy to to pick out they're clean very very straightforward there's no nonsense like the buttons usually tell you exactly what the button is intended to do and some of them comes with very fancy illustration but you will also see a lot that don't have fancy illustrations that still work really well so that's one thing i also want to really magnify is that you don't need fancy illustration to make it uh, make it work. And third thing is that they're usually very consistent uh, throughout the UI is um, if you have one button that does, you know, the job to stick with that button until you cannot reuse the same thing for, for, for whatever new type of content, new purpose you have, then you create a new style of interaction for that. Just, try not to start a new thing every time <laughs> when, when, when you're trying to decide, oh, well, what do we do with this button? Like if you can reuse one that you've done before, do it. That's just one example. Um, I, I feel like I'm starting to like talk to the person like he's sitting right in front of me or she's sitting right in front of me. Anyways, so Dribble is a great place. And there's also like uh, collectui.com and, uh, ooh, this one's also very interesting. The collectui.com, I, I absolutely love because they categorize everything into uh, specific purposes. Like, let's say I am now with my team building a sign-up page. What do I do? Uh, if you go on collectui.com, there is a category called sign-up, right? And then there's also a category called checkout. There's one for, you know, uh, product what is that called? <laughs> Product selection. Um, losing my mind right now. It's so hot here. Um, so there are they already did the work to kind of, you know, categorize these for you. So you can get exactly, you know, whatever you're designing for. 
Um, so I, I, I think those are good places to look at. And if you have even more time to look at resources, I am pretty sure it's Adele.com. Let me double check real quick. Is that they, uh, it's Adele.uxpin.com. They um, collected uh, just, you will not be able to go through everything because they just basically have hundreds of design system that you can go through and see what other, I, I think it's pretty they're, they're all pretty big product like Dropbox and Shopify and Pinterest. They all have their uh, design system um, uh, included in Adele. Adele is actually the, the the library to look up all these design systems. This one is not as straightforward to say like, oh, okay, I need to look up kind of like the collectui.com. Like I mentioned, oh, I want to know how to do like a checkout page. They will show you not so much that, but it will show you kind of uh, the relationship between all the bits and pieces on on the UI, why they matter. Again, this is not uh, the first thing I would go to, but if you have time to further understand and you really don't have a designer, but really want to get good at it, uh, good at understanding how it works, I would recommend you to just kind of browse through adele.uxpin.com to kind of find some design libraries to look at. Um, they will also tell you, you get an idea of like, what what you actually need and maybe that's when you can take it to your leadership and say well there's so much that I cannot do maybe we need to really hire a designer so that mm-hmm. that's the secret agenda there <laughs> but so those are those are places that um there's three sites I, I would recommend looking at um that was a lot but any thoughts Kyle um, yeah lots of websites. I, think, I think those are great one thing that came to mind is you know, you kind of have a couple options. So I'm thinking of, you know, when, when you don't have a designer on your team, which again is, it's not the ideal scenario, but it happens. And, you know, we have one of our uh, product teams is in, is in this scenario. You know, we have a few UX designers at our current company, but we're, you know, we're spread very, very thin. And, you know, as we were kind of talking about this, as Eva was talking about, you know, some of these ideas, uh, one of our product teams, one of our product managers, you know, he, he doesn't get to work with our design team as frequently as he would like, because, you know, they're focused right now on a few other very, very big initiatives that we have going on. And so he has done some of these things that Eva was just talking about. He's gone on to some of these very sites and pulled off ideas uh, for you know some of the things that that he's working on. He's gone on to Dribble and other sites to pull um, just ideas for some of the uh, the products that he that he manages, and to you know get different ideas for not just the the you know the UI but some of the UX flow, and to start to incorporate that into some of the product development ideas that he has for the future. And so, you know, obviously if you're faced with the two choices of like, do we do nothing or do we do something? Obviously doing something is going to be the better option. And so, you know, deciding that, Hey, it's not an ideal scenario, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the option of figuring this out. And I may not be a designer myself and uh, you know, may not have the the full suite of experience in order to do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to dive in 
and figure out what I think makes sense from, you know, maybe a design perspective, start to put some of that together and start to figure out at least, you know, what is out there? What are some of the options and how can we start to utilize some of the at least ideas or best practices that others have in order to inform some of the decisions that we're making because regardless of what we do, you know, we're making design decisions, you know, and they can be good decisions or bad decisions, but we're going to be making design decisions mm-hmm. as we build products. So at least we can try and make good design decisions as we move forward. Yes. Even without a designer, our product team is making those decisions along the way. So informing that with whatever context we can is an important thing as product managers, as product teams in order to, to make the best possible products. And so I think those are good resources that are out there. And again, kind of like you said, Eva, their design has become much more accessible all along the way than ever before. It used to be, obviously we used to not have all of these different resources that we have available to us now. And now we do. And so not utilizing them just seems like it would be a bit of a travesty. And we really should be, regardless of where we have UX and product designers, you know, I think as product managers, we should be leveling up our design knowledge and experience all along the way. Even if we do have fully dedicated UX and product designers, just so that we can be making better decisions and Mm -hmm. better informing our knowledge. Uh, so that it's not just the, I guess the weight of it doesn't fall fully on our UX teams or our UX designers, but we can be helping to inform those decisions yes. and just m- speaking the, a better language across everything that we're developing. I feel like I'm almost in tears, just like hearing, <laughs> especially the first part of what you mentioned, like what the product manager is doing. I feel like I know who you're talking about and <laughs> I'm very touched by, by what he's doing. <laughs> and, but yeah, I agree with everything you said and uh, kind of the last bit too, very important, the cross-function uh, education that helps to promote more conversations, collaborations. I really love that. And I mean, most of the time, if someone comes and asks like, oh, this is really cool. Can we do the same thing? Like, yeah, you know, the designer will probably tell you like, let's sit down and talk about how we want to, you know, achieve this. Um, so even if you have a designer, like, don't feel like, oh yeah, she or he will just take care of it all. Goodbye. You know, uh, we like working with people. So yeah. And uh, to add to what you said too, there was something that I really want to talk about. Oh, I forgot. I have a list literally in front of me that I'm crossing out all the stuff that I want to share. After this too, so moving deeper into the process and and oh, at the end, I'm also going to tell you if you really, really don't have time, the luxury to do all the education, do all the learning and stuff, and I'll give you like a fast track of what you can do. Um, so the next thing is, so now you kind of have a good idea, you know, looking at all the, all the references and kind of have a baseline of, okay, I think I know what looks good, right? Oh, I know what I was going to talk about. Sorry, I always jump around. <laughs> Again, blame on the heat. Um, is that people talk about, oh, you cannot copy design, which is true. You do not just literally copy and paste and, and you know, inspect, download. Do not <laughs> do that. Do not sue anyone's code or, or design. But 
there are a lot of design principles that are already, you know, what, what they're considered best practices that a lot of people are already doing. That's is that is why you go on square.com, you go on bit.ly, you go on DoorDash, Grubhub, they, you will see very similar, you know, the hero image on the left-hand side, there's a <laughs> giant headline, some text, and then the button or CTA, whatever it is like, you, you know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> those yeah. 90% of tech startup that have the same <laughs> or 99%. Layout. Yeah. 99. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. That's right. I, I heard that it's 99.7 actually. It's probably pretty percent. close to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the Slack uh, homepage now too. Anyways, there's so many, so many of them. Um, yeah. I actually was reading an article a while back and they literally do a screenshot of all the <laughs> 2019 startup. <laughs> Yeah, if Home you page. could, yeah, if you can find the like 0.03% that aren't like that, I'd be really interested. Yeah, tweet those at us because if you can find one that isn't that yeah. one, I would be really interested to see it. You're going to get so many <laughs> .com. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of bad practices floating around <laughs> out there too so but but you get the idea is that the you have seen those very similar layout why do people do it why do people keep doing it is because they work and and yeah that that's basically it so don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel but also don't copy just make sure you look at it and understand why it works and and talk with your team and say oh how can we achieve the same goal and what makes sense for 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 your product Anyways, yeah. So back to the next step is um, now that you have a baseline understanding of like, oh, okay, I know what looks good. And and hopefully, you know, what doesn't look good by, you know, just being on the internet before of using very clunky products or, you know, on your phone. Next step is like understanding a little more of the principle of what will keep you in check. I guess that's the best way to put it. The one thing I always, always bring up is go to the Norman Nielsen group and, and or you can Google Jacob Nielsen's uh, 10 heuristics. So basically this is the 10 commandments of designing or UI UX is just good principles to follow. And, and let me read a couple for you. And we'll of course include all these in the show notes and Kyle, make sure I send them to you. I always <laughs> forget to send them to you. Um, so the the, 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 the the title is 10 Usability Heuristics for User Interface Design, okay? And I'm just going to read down the line um, for you. And this is a very, very short article or list, but those are, again, just golden rules that you can keep in mind if you are going to DIY your UI UX experience in your product. Um, again, hopefully not by choice. Anyways, uh, first one, visibility of system status, Second, match between system and the real world. Third, uh, should I say three? I don't know if my English is working. Three, I'll just go with that. Three, user control and freedom. Four, consistency and standards. This is something we talked about a second ago. Five, er error uh, prevention. Six, recognition rather than recall. Seven, flexibility and efficiency of use. Eight, uh, aesthetic and minimalist design. Like I said, before keep it clean um nine help users recognize diagnose and recover from errors 10 help and documentation so that was uh just the list of the 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 rules that are included um in in that in that list and and those are things that even designers you know keep in mind like 
when we're executing um, in our day-to-day job. And and if you have that open as you're making decisions, that will help you, that will at least guide you to the right direction, even though if you don't do all 10 of them, right? And do as much as you can. And um, those are just very, very, very good principles to adhere to. And I hope that maybe one of these days we can do an episode on 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 just this list alone. It'd be a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like as I was reading through them, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this more. And what does it mean to match what the real world? That one probably more self-explanatory. So anyways, so um, that is good reading material. It would take you maybe 10 minutes to go through the entire list. Um, again, just good, good, good guidelines and then the last step if you have to really really diy is um find ui kits (laughs) (laughs) those are so 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 cheap nowadays i think i've seen ones for even like maybe ten dollars there are some fancy ones that are like fifty eighty dollars but but i have seen some really good ones for like twenty dollars too but uh i would say those ui UI kits will give you a probably more than enough uh, to work with. Very, very good um, consistency between all the um, all the components already, and then gives you a really, really good head start. Um, I would say, do not start from scratch if you're already doing DIY. You will not have time to make every single decision as you built. If you can, uh, just yeah, get a UI kit and see which kit fits your needs better of course like make sure you know it's the right medium (laughs) do not buy a mobile kit for your web app (laughs) desktop web app (laughs) so i feel like this one is i do also want to say that because probably pretty common for a team that don't have a designer uh, uh to to put that responsibility on engineers too which i it's not great I mean, it shouldn't be on the product manager solely either, but most of the time it falls on the engineers too. Bootstrap also has a lot of templates. They have a marketplace for you to buy templates that are ready to use if your application is built with Bootstrap. And 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 uh, there are multiple agencies that make them. I know one called Creative Tim, and there's just so many, so many of these like commercial products for engineers to you know help you. A little bit on that too so yeah but the bootstrap marketplace is nice because they are built to you know for for bootstrap which is very very popular uh framework so that should give you a very strong head start i feel like that's all i really can say about ui kits um so i'll leave it at that for now have you ever used a ui kits for anything no i don't think so I'm trying to think back and if we any DIY any no. any any product design? No. Uh, that would be a fun activity though. Yeah. If all the product managers just like, hey, design interface. <laughs> yeah. It would be. I, I I feel like I sound a little evil when I just laugh right after that. Like <laughs> I can do my my work and see how I can laugh at them. Yeah. Just kidding. Um one thing I do have to point out too is that as you know, some people are just naturally good at certain things. So I wouldn't be surprised if some product managers that are very design minded do a really good job. I really have seen people that have a MBA and then all of a sudden they're a designer and I look at their portfolio and I'm just like blown away. 
I'm actually thinking about one particular specific person. <laughs> and and yeah. So don't feel like you are because you're not professionally a designer that therefore you have no power. That is not true. Design very accessible, you know, study it, study up and get the UI kit and you're halfway there. <laughs> um like I shouldn't promote this idea so much because I'm like, oh, job security for designers. <laughs> but yeah, you still you want a designer. Trust me, there's a lot more decision. Yeah, than, than just getting you. I can't trust me. Um, so yeah, and so that that kind of is the three steps of what I would recommend for someone who don't have a budget at all and have to DIY. And I know we don't have much time, so I definitely want to get into the second scenario, which is the you have a little bit of budget not too much of a budget to hire a full-time person um what do you do i'm talking about like in the thousands not like a hundred bucks okay <laughs> <laughs> just want to make that very clear because <laughs> i i think pricing design is still it's not a common knowledge like no one would just know right i almost feel like it's like if you talk about hiring a plumber i wouldn't know how much yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the equivalent of that. Yeah. Um, you, you advertise for a recent grad and be like, I'll give you a hundred bucks and you can build your portfolio. And that's uh, not what we're talking yeah. about. Right. No, no. Yeah. Don't ever do, don't do that. I I think I saw some, something like that recently. And I, I was just shaking my head being like, no. <laughs> they're like, they were advertising for, for hopefully a recent grad to build, to help oh, build yeah. something. And it could be a portfolio building. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, get on the, what is that subreddit called? Choosing beggars. <laughs> there yeah. are so many of those. Yep. I think I saw the other day that someone posted a job posting. I don't even want to call it a job posting. <laughs> it was like, you need to have a master's degree and, but we don't pay you. It's an internship. <laughs> it's like, wow, you're really asking for a lot here. <laughs> yeah. And wait. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one of that. And then another one, it was like, we pay you, but it was only like $14 an hour or something, but you need a PhD. I was like, <laughs> whoa. Anyways, um, I, I was going to tangent, but, um, oh, there was one thing I forgot to say about UI kits. The comparison I, I make about, uh, UI kits is that it's just like blue apron, hello, fresh, they give you all the ingredients, you make your meal, right? UI kits is the same idea. You don't have to be professional designer to get something done. But I mean, of course, you cannot just use a UI kit to expect to build a ginormous product, right? So yeah, I'll leave it that's, at that. I think that's really good. I like that. I'm actually hungry too. So that's why I said about <laughs> my HelloFresh that is coming today. Yep. But yep. Um, anywho, so yeah. So the second scenario, oh man, it took me so long to get into it. <laughs> second scenario of if you have, you have, if you have a little bit of budget, not too many, not $10, not a hundred bucks, but uh, a few thousand dollars to invest into hiring someone, you know, just on a contract level to get this done. Where can you go? If you know a designer, then I don't think that's something <laughs> that, that I need to talk about. But uh, if you already have someone in mind, great. If you know they work great, then then go, go for it. But um, Upwork is a place where you can hire freelancers. And I actually have browsed around, uh, not for me to hire anybody, but <laughs> just to see what's out there for, for people freelancing in the UI UX realm. And there are actually quite a bit of them. And I think it 
totally makes sense with the 2020 demand of we need more digital products. Can't speak. <laughs> so, so there are a lot of um, designers, UX researchers that are available on that market. So when you go in there, there are a few things that you definitely need to be very upfront and clear, clear with uh, when you're seeking for somebody. First, we talked about it over and over again. Budget. Be very clear how much you have uh, to, you know, invest in this in this project. And I would say, be very honest about it. And most people are, are willing to work with what you have. And and let's say if you're, I don't know, a little bit short, there's probably some sort of. I don't, maybe I shouldn't assume this for everybody, but um, just be upfront with your budget. I'll leave it at that. Just be upfront with your budget and and um, they can either build a custom package for you of what they can offer or there's something that is more longer term that you don't need upfront. Then the designer can, you know, tell you like, hey, you probably don't need this fancy feature in on launch and it's expensive. We don't have to do that. And um, with that said, you you can probably, you know, as a product manager, you already, you know, do all the roadmap and stuff. You can also propose that as like, hey, what if we do this first? How much would that be? And um, to to discuss the uh, proposal with with your budget that you have. Um, and the second thing is timeline. How long are you expecting this person to be working with you? Very very important because if you're building a product, this is not going to be a <laughs> launch and gone type of deal unless you're you know discussing this person giving you a full kit that will give you that longevity, but still you will run into uh, the unexpected because, I mean, we talk about expecting the unexpected, right? A lot. And uh, you can either negotiate like, oh, can we do a retainer, right? Um, monthly, whatever that is, or just negotiate like, okay, we for foresee whatever demand. Um, definitely talk about that too, because you don't want to run into a situation where you hire somebody, everything launched, great. And then next thing you know, this person's all booked out for the next like two months. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I have this new feature. I need new, you know, component, new interaction, whatever it is. Talk about that upfront if you know about it. And and yeah, so the third thing is the scale of your project. And this one is very important because I know... It can be like, oh, I don't know. We're just going to, you know, keep it small and then go to market and see what happens, right? And then you grow your product from there. But I, I would say just give a very honest, like, guess on how big you think your, the product can be and, and just be very upfront about it. Because it, serving 30 very specific people is very different than serving 3,000 users. So those are things that you definitely want your design to be, you know, uh, accommodating for for the spectrum of audience that you might have so definitely share that with your designer or potential designer and within that too um like we have talked about in the inclusion episode share as much as you know about the you know uh target audience demographic that you have unless the tragedy happened where snapchat <laughs> where you're planning for all adults to be using it right and that ends up a bunch of high schoolers used it. And, and <laughs> that story is so funny to me. Yeah. Um, designing for, you know, 30 up is very different than designing for Gen Z, right? Like the, the very young uh, high school age. So, and then the fourth thing that 
definitely need to be very clear is the medium that this product will live on. Uh, is it a mobile app? Is it a desktop, you know, web app, whatever it is, uh, make sure you include that. And why I say include all these upfront is because that will save you time in selecting designers and see what can work for you. Um, because just like dating, you're not going to find a perfect one right off the bat. And you want to find someone that you can trust um, because you are paying for that. And also you want this to be uh, more of a collaboration rather than like, oh, I don't like this, you know, at the very end, right? It, it is going to be a process that you and the designer will be working on together. Um, that's another thing too. Do not expect a designer to just go off and do everything without you giving any input. That is, man, it luckily hasn't happened to me when I do, you know, used to do freelance. So, <laughs> but yeah, and those are just a few things to keep in mind and feel free to ask them for a portfolio and their own experience too. That's really fine. I think that's kind of maybe common sense, but uh, I just want to say it upfront. You are, you, you can, you can ask for that and please do. And yeah, I think that's all I have for the second scenario of hiring designer. Oh, there's one website that I also want to recommend. Uh, for, uh, if, if, if you, I, I recommend it, but if you are able to, uh, I would also recommend uh, hire, uh, there is a website <laughs> that lists minority or women designers and I am a supporter of that <laughs> and uh, I'm going to find that URL and, and share in their show notes too so that is one way to support whatever uh, groups you you want to support so nice. the end nice very nice that's uh, that's very cool and I, I think it's important to remember especially with freelance I'm I haven't worked before with a freelance designer, but we've definitely brought on other contract work to teams uh, that I've had before. And to definitely remember that it's collaboration and yeah. to make them a part of the team as much as possible. And, and the more, at least we found that uh, as much as you do that, uh, the benefits are, are huge. As you bring them in for uh, collaboration as opposed to just like having a con having a contractor and kind of looking at them that way that uh, the benefits of like collaboration and teamwork are just amplified yes. significantly. So not having somebody that's kind of like separate doing separate work, but having yep. an additional member of the team uh, doing additional work with the team uh, just amplifies what the team is able to do. Yep. Yeah. And to that point too, is that, uh, in our business, priorities always change <laughs> <laughs> and it's not anyone's fault. It's just that the nature of what we do. And, and the nice thing about having a full-time designer on your team is that, Hey, so-and-so we need to prioritize. Like that designer is here working for the same company. They're not going to be like, Oh, we can't. Right. And so, you know, compared to a contractor, the contractor is not going to work with your schedule. Again, like that's why earlier I brought up, like if you know something's coming up, bring it up before because they are also booking other projects that you're not going to be able to say. I mean, some people have rush fee. I do want to say that there are 
um, yeah, opportunity opportunities like that that people appreciate that rush fee, but don't assume that's going to be the case where oh hey uh, so and so we need this tomorrow or next week can you do this they're going to be like well I have two other jobs happening at the same time we're not going to be able to so that's also for your the benefits of your roadmap too so plan ahead such such good advice um, <laughs> very wise today just yeah today. <laughs> yeah seriously that's really helpful. I, I feel like we could probably talk a lot more, especially about some of your experiences, like a free, doing freelance and uh, design work outside of. Um, oh, you, just the look you gave there. I, I feel like there's stories there. But yeah, uh, I was a young designer, so there are bad <laughs> stories too. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's tales to tell there yeah. too, too much for today we may have to pull some of those flashbacks out. yeah all happening you know last time you talked about uh junior high running for his student <laughs> government <laughs> i feel like i just had that moment of, of me like oh just yep okay well on another time then we may have to we have to have to dive into some of those <laughs> a th- a therapy yeah. session of like i was gonna say i need how, a therapist in yeah. the room when we yeah. do that <laughs> and and how to treat how to treat uh, your designers well oh, so yeah. that you don't give them like terrible. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I need a therapist in the room. We need to talk about those. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. And so sad. <laughs> sad, but at the same time, like, oh man, I was responsible for, for this, for that. And take it, now I'm taking it really hard, <laughs> but it's just, yeah, they're in the past. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are good stories too. Just don't get me wrong. It's not all bad. <laughs> so yeah, that is the end of this episode. And I guess do, uh, before we move into our, I don't know, end of episode hangout zone, um, anything anything you want to add? No, I think that's good. That's I think that's been really insightful on what to do if you don't have product design and UX design on your team. And there's probably a whole bunch of other things that we could dive into, but I I think it really, for me, has always come down to, you know, you're you're faced with a whole bunch of less than ideal options. And, you know, we've talked about what are some of the things that you can do. And I think it ultimately, for me, has always come down to doing something because you're, you're faced with kind of the options of doing nothing or doing something. And, you know, we've talked about what are some of those things that you can do. And I think that doing something is always going to be better and finding ways that you can make design and make, make some of those decisions uh, and make some of that progress, even when you're not in an ideal situation and finding ways to incorporate it into your product process, regardless of the situation that you're in. And that for me has always been like the most important thing for product teams and to not let the fact that you don't have product design as either a discipline on your team or as a member of your team stop you from incorporating that into your product process. And I hope that if you do end up hiring like a contractor, hopefully that is kind of the dipping your toes in the water and seeing what that can do for you. Therefore, 
you're going to fight to get a full-time person on board. It's like these methods that I just talked about, those are definitely kind of, you know, uh, curing the symptoms, not the actual illness. <laughs> like, trust me, if you want a product, you need a designer. Yeah. And again, we'll talk about all the testing and just how to craft user experience if you don't have a researcher or don't have a product designer in another episode. Um, the last thing I do want to add to this topic that I just thought about is don't use Pfeiffer. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> like, Pfeiffer is not going to give you the level of uh, execution that you will need for a product. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say about Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer is not good <laughs> in general. The end. That's fair. Maybe yeah. good for some other things. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't used it for, I haven't used it for anything, but for probably not for this. Ooh. Speaking of resources, I feel like this episode, my mind is just like going into the overdrive mode. And <laughs> it's like 500 things at once. Now, one thing that I'm also going to send you, Kyle, is like a URL. This is not related to product, but related to working as a human being having a job is um, your slide deck. There is a website that has a lot of very, very simple and clean slide deck templates. So if your company don't have one right now and you don't have a designer that you can be like, Hey, I know, you know, you're a product designer. Can you help me with the slide deck? Like that happens often, <laughs> more often than people think, because there's not a job, probably won't ever be a job that is like slide deck designer. So like as designers, we know. It's okay. Come ask us how to help you with your slide deck, whatever. Um, anyways, a slide deck template website that will also be very helpful because if you don't have a designer, who are you going to ask? Nobody. So we'll put that in the show notes. Love it. Love it. I feel like you're commenting on my slide decks though. No. <laughs> I was <gonna> say, like, <laughs> no, we have a company template. So we do. We yeah. Do. You're excluded in that, okay. in that group. Okay. You have That's seen fair. some very weird slide slide tech right i've i have seen in your some. lifetime i've probably been guilty of some too so that's that there's no doubt that my slide decks could use some work i've seen i've seen some really bad ones i've seen some really good ones mine probably have fallen on the side of needing more work but now i just had a flashback of i think one time i i brought it up to you you did yeah <laughs> hopefully they've improved since then Dear all listeners, yeah. consider. Uh, I mean, at that moment, I was like, "Am I telling my supervisor that slide deck needs work?" Yes, I am. Yeah. Should I do this? But yes. I'm like, I feel responsible. Like, <laughs> but anyways, we do have a company template, yeah. Which I think, yeah. But yeah, we'll put that URL on on the in the show notes and make good use of that. Yeah, everybody that don't have one. <laughs> And I don't know, hang out zone. Yeah. Well, and final message for everybody. If you see a bad, if you be, if you see bad slides, you should definitely say something. If you see something, say something. <laughs> don't let. I feel a lot better now. Yeah. Don't let people go around with bad slides. Like it's just, it's not good because then people will continue to go around with bad slides. So. It's like seeing your friend with like pepper in their teeth. I think it's equivalent of that, but in a workplace. Yeah. yeah. And right, and then that, they won't get better because you just, mm. it's just there and they only improve if, if somebody's like, Hey, 
you know, would be better is if you made the, that slide better. So I'll tell you that my palms definitely got really sweaty when I was like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we can laugh about it now, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, that's all, right. all that I have to say about not having a designer, what to do. All right. Hang out in gripe zone. No, uh, <laughs> when did shout, shout out on gripe zone. zone. Shout out on gripe zone. That's right. <laughs> I love this. Um, who wants to go first? Well, I will give a shout out to an app that, so we, our team has been in the mind, the product conference for most of this week. And so shout out to mind, the product and the conference that they put on, which uh, was really good and give a shout out to the app that they used, which was called hop in. Oh, and it looks like, it looks like a new app for online conferences. And it was absolutely just really, really good. So it's like, uh, so I know you didn't get a, you weren't part of it, but it's like zoom, but significantly better for conferences. Um, fired. Well, (laughs) different, basically different platforms. So it's totally designed for like online conferences where you have like a keynote stage and then you have like breakout sessions and then you have like chat going on on the side and then you have like an expo. So it's like, it's meant to give you like a a conference feel and that is cool for everybody there. And then you can like bring, so you have like, um, you can have like multiple presenters or just like the one presenter and then you can have like the chat going on on the side uh of what's of what's happening it was was really good and you there was like a networking um tab as well so like you can do like speed networking in between the sessions where like paired you with with different people really i hadn't seen anything like that but obviously like in this new uh world i imagine that there have been online conference apps before i haven't participated in an online conference uh in uh, really in the same way but it looks like they're probably popping up more and shout out to this app hop in which was it was really good pretty seamless like you just joined online and um yeah had all of the that stuff available keynote stage breakout sessions networking the chat going on too it was really, really cool because you were basically cool. like participating with everybody real time. So like everybody who was part of the conference, you were able to kind of like talk with and have like an ongoing dialogue. And like the speakers were able to kind of participate with it too and like respond Whoa. to different things that were happening like in the chat real time and stuff like that. So it made the conference yeah. actually like more interactive than it would have been otherwise just really fascinating thing so like you're missing out on some of the in-person conference feel right in this new environment that we're in but at the same time like you're kind of gaining more interaction in some ways wow so i'll be interested in going forward how do you start to marry some of these things like as you as you're able to return to in-person conferences like how do you maintain some of this interaction that we're able to get through some of these online mediums in some of this in-person conference. So anyway, 
Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Wow. And I'm looking at their website right now. It is first, first of all, is it hop in or hop in? <laughs> I don't know. It's one word. Yeah. It? It, was, it was all, <laughs> I I don't hop. I assume hop in. It could be hoping, but <laughs> uh, not important, but yeah. still a cool product. <laughs> but I just really want to make sure I'm call, calling them by the right name because it is really cool. And second is that look at that homepage. It is the same header that uh, same layout what we just talked about the <laughs> yeah again it, just best yep. practice yep. yep that's really cool i now i am feeling a little bit of like oh i missed out not so much on the conference itself because like few people actually send 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 the team like all the ui ux related stuff and then we're like great we didn't even have to go to it but got all the bits and pieces that was relevant to 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 the team so that was really cool but now i'm like yeah i missed out on having the opportunity to use that hopping app that looks really cool yeah if nothing else just to like experience the app itself yeah i tried out i tried to try out all of the features like while we were there like including the networking yes. and all of that sort of stuff just to like actually as a product person to just experience the different parts of it and of yeah. the app and stuff so and that's interesting that zoom just came out with this breakout room feature because like what you were talking about hopping and and you said they have breakout rooms and I was like, oh yeah, I remember Zoom just have this new feature, breakout rooms. I wonder if they're trying to get into that space, the conference space. Yeah, that's, I, I know, yeah, with Zoom, because you can definitely do like the breakout sessions where, you know, you're all together and, and we've used that in a few meetings where we'll have like large meetings and then we'll Oh, send everybody to like breakout rooms and we'll bring everybody back together and stuff. So um, that's cool. Yeah, it, that's it's a pretty interesting wow. one to kind of mimic like breakout sessions, kind of a different feeling with like the the hop in and the, and right. the conference. But I could definitely I could see Zoom, obviously, like if they wanted to Right. start to pull some of that stuff together like there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to leverage yeah. obviously what they've done into you know some sort of conference oh, format please find an excuse to use that feature next time when we have a team meeting because i'm definitely not going to be able to use it with just me and jordan <laughs> that's true well, so. okay well i'll find an excuse we'll we'll do a breakout session Deal. just Thank i'll you. push everybody into a breakout room and then pull everybody back together <laughs> Thank you. That sounds great. And my shout out, actually, um, it's also conference related. I thought it would be just the right time because everyone's going to conferences now. Um, it's called otter.ai. What it does is that it um, is an AI powered meeting transcript. That's their tagline on their website. So I used it in an in-person conference, but um, now I know that we're going to be working from home. It doesn't, uh, probably you're not going to be in-person meeting as much, but um, this is very handy. I installed it on my phone. And last time when I was going to convey UX, turn it on and it actually gives you a transcript real time. And you can also take pictures uh, while you're at the conference and it will kind of put it at the right spot in the timeline. So you can kind of see the picture 
you know, after you go home and then listen and see the transcript all in the right place. Um, that was very, I don't know. I had a moment where I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> and I found out about it through another, uh, participant at that conference I just saw her with that and I was like whoa there are words coming out <laughs> and, and she told me about this uh and I think a couple of our team members use this too um the cool thing though is that it can sync with your calendar so let's say if I'm going to an event it actually will pop up and say you know do you want to record this event you know and that I thought was very thoughtful so I really really love it and I think you get like three or three hours of recording, maybe 30 hours. Hold on. Oh, no, I'm looking at it now. 600 minutes of transcript free per month, um, which is a lot. So I recommend you all to check it out. And I am pretty sure it works on the computer, too, if you need to transcribe your Zoom meeting. Um, So, yeah, that that's been very exciting to see like all these actual technology like because when we talk about like oh nlp it's you know voice interface all these voice stuff coming through and it's very cool and but like outside of series or alexa how do you actually make good use of it you know besides telling siri to tell you a joke tell you about the weather like this was actually the first time i feel like the voice processing actually being a very powerful tool (laughs) not that siri and alexa are not useful okay but you get the idea. It's just truly convenient. And I can see it being very helpful for uh, hard of hearing peeps too. Yep. So yep. yeah. Do you have any gripes this week? No, no, no gripes that I can think of. How about you? I, <laughs> now I feel like I cannot be this gripeful. <laughs> like I cannot. You're like, oh, you don't have one. Let me tell you how I'm being mad at the world. Um, no, not nothing. Uh, nothing as bad as <laughs> the previous gripes I brought up. I would say. So yeah, pretty peaceful this week. Oh, my original shout out though was gonna be like the, uh, what is that called? Tele telehealth technology that we mm-hmm. see nowadays. But yeah. I feel like that one not as exciting as the otter.ai thing. Just because I feel like everyone probably has encountered that here and there, maybe now more so. That's true. And using it a lot more. We hadn't, we hadn't really used it as much until recently, but definitely using it a lot more now. Oh, now I just remember the scribe that I had a long time ago when it was still kind of a newish thing. And it was like, I had a flu or something. And this is true gripe because I was like not having fun. And the virtual appointment thing, you would think that it's fairly, you know, oh, you click open that thing and then the doctor can see you. Ideally, it works that way. Now, I think it's gotten a lot better. Um, But no, I had to install like a Chrome uh, plugin. And after that, it was like, oh, give permission to this app. I'm like, okay, I only have two minutes to finish installing this thing before my appointment starts. So I guess I would do it. (laughs) And then after that, it was like the application cannot detect your camera cannot detect uh whatever you need to upgrade this thing and i'm like oh god okay let's do this and then i did it and also i was trying to do this during lunchtime at work so it was also very much like oh, i already didn't want to deal with a whole thing 
that's why I do, you know, a teleconference with mm-hmm. my doctor, right? Because I just don't want to go into it. It's not big enough of a deal. It's just a flu or whatever it was. And anyways, it didn't end up working at all. And I was just like, me working in the, you know, tech industry, I don't know how to use this. Like people that truly need to see that doctor um, on a regular basis, like older generation or people that have, you know, physical disability, disability, how are they going to do this? And that was probably half a year ago. And I'm glad to say like nowadays, at least my own experience with that telehealth thing has been a lot better. So shout out to whoever made that better. Um, also gripes to all uh, telehealth applications that are still not usable. <laughs> the end. Yeah. We had a similar, that was an accidental gripe. Yeah. We had Sorry. a similar experience. I think it's been a few years now when we first tried to use it and it was even, even worse. I think like we we hadn't even set it up or anything, and we tried to start using it when um, our son, I, there was something that we just wanted to, like, we didn't want to take him to the doctor. It was late at night, and we just wanted to, like, do a telehealth um, mm-hmm. appointment just because we had some concerns. or so like, you know, let's just do yeah. this real quick rather than get him, like, dressed take him to the doctor oh, yeah. and just like talk to a doctor online. Like that, that'll be so much better. That's cool. And yeah. so we, we tried doing it, but like to do it, you had to go through that process of like getting oh. stuff set up. But then we also had to go through the process of like, um, getting an account set up and like verifying <laughs> oh, no. with our insurance. And then we had to like that, that wasn't working. So we had to like get on the phone with somebody oh my and my goodness. wife was finally just like, I'm just taking him to the Imagine doctor. doing that. Stupid. If you live by yourself and just half dying. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. We just get, we literally just gave up because yeah. it was like, she's like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here and waiting like to try and go through this whole process. Cause I was like insurance cards yes. and like on the phone and like oh, trying man. to verify stuff. Like she's like, I'm just getting him dressed and taking him. <laughs> and I was like, no, we, I can get it set up. And She's like, no, <laughs> this is a real gripe. Yeah. yeah. Is a, well, I didn't come into this thinking this was going to be a, the gripe that I brought up, but this is a true accidental, like real gripe, I would say. But yeah, my computer is at 1%. So <laughs> I, I guess this is time to, time to end this. And yep. uh, another shout out is to Kyle Evans for cutting all the episodes where I, drag it super long so (laughs) shout out to you (laughs) kyle does all the editing so (laughs) all the editing yes if anybody knows a better way of editing podcast please let me know because i (laughs) i i have my way but i don't know if it's the right way so (laughs) the top idea would be like oh well tell your co-host to not keep talking for so long (laughs) apologies but and thank you yeah to you (laughs) and i guess that's it all right cool well another one in the books sweet and goodbye listener see you bye thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app you can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co you can also follow us on twitter at prod by design that's at prod underscore by underscore design you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans, and you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time. <laughs>